0: five four three two one happy Happy new year Year. and welcome to the first episode of the way niagara podcast in 2023 it is hard to believe we are 23 years away from y2k wow i feel old anyways i'm your host jordan Berta here with chris doglish and steve lamar Uh, we've got a great episode for you but to start off I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. So, Steve, do you set New Year's resolutions?
1: So we do something a bit different, and we've failed to complete it a few times because the kids end up in bed. But one of the things that we try to do is go over our family's core values and mission statement. Just kind of a refresher of, hey, guys, here's the baseline of what we're doing again. So for this year, if you're trying to make a decision, go back to those. They will help you decide everything, every time.
2: I actually don't typically do that. Um, I've been in a lot of churches over the years that have, you know, kind of preached about uh, setting, setting your, your tone for the year through your resolutions and also uh, starting off by fasting. And I, you know what? I, I give our listeners permission. If that causes you anxiety, don't do it. Your mental health and your peace is more important to us at Way than it is to see you uh, tick a a box and say, hey, I did this. I want you to walk in health this year. And whatever is bringing anxiety, whatever is bringing um, stress, whatever is uh, causing you to just feel like the legalism is is overcoming my peace, take a break. Don't do it.
0: That's a really good thought, Chris. And I really appreciate um, your heart in that. And we were actually going to kind of start off Uh, this year and this episode talking about mental health. And later on, we're going to get to Galatians 5 and 6. We're going to finish this book that we've been journeying through the last couple months. But to start off, we're going to have a conversation with Steve about his mental health journey. So Steve, in episode one, you did share a little bit about, you know, your mental health journey. And As this is an important part of discovering who we are as a church, I wanted to just have a conversation with you one-on-one and kind of unpack that a little bit more. And so let's go all the way back to childhood. Was there a specific age event or situation that you started to notice that there maybe was something mentally that, that you were struggling with?
1: Yeah, so it sticks out to me when I was 16. I'm going to do my best not to get teary while I discuss all this, because some of the memories are still a little stinging. But um, when I was about 15, 16, I would just feel in a funk. And I would sit in my bedroom in the dark, and I would write poetry. And it seemed really simple, but it was about some pretty dark stuff. And uh, it reached a point when I was 16 where I said to Sharon, who's now my wife, uh, you know, I think I need to get help for this. My, I'm, I'm not doing well, and I don't know what's going wrong. And I don't think I want to live. And she was like, yep, you need to go to the doctor. So uh, that same morning, my dad worked at the high school that uh, I was attending, I gave him a call and I said, look, I know school's about to start, but I I can't do this. I need to go see the doctor. And he asked me why and I started explaining it and he took me. I got looked at by my doctor, diagnosed with depression, given some Prozac and I had about six months where things were going pretty well and uh, I'll explain why they went so well later, but... Uh, They took me off the medication. I was doing okay, and I struggled on and off with depression from then on, but I knew my coping techniques, so that's where it all started, was when I was 16, and it moved forward from there.
0: All right, and there's a couple things that kind of stand out to me about that. Number one is that Sharon, from the beginning, was supportive in saying, yeah, no, you need to go and do something about that, and that's really remarkable, that even as teenagers that there was that level of care and, and relationship there. You also mentioned coping techniques. Did you find, so you say you found them kind of fairly early on, but were they healthy?
1: I don't think so. I, uh, I did eventually take to drinking more than I should, but uh, as a teenager, my coping mechanisms were very focused on distraction. I needed to do something. And if you knew me as a teenager, I did not stay still. I was at work. I was at school. I was at church. I was doing something all the time. And it was to avoid my sadness.
0: So you're doing these things, drinking. You're just trying to get away from your sadness. Was there kind of a point where you felt like that that wasn't working anymore?
1: Um, it was when our third child was born. And it was actually different symptoms that led to me getting help. Um, When Silas was born, I started dealing with a lot of anger about anything and everything. I was constantly frustrated uh, to the point that I'd be at home, I would just play video games until bedtime, and then I'd go to bed. And I'd be up first thing in the morning for work, gone for the day, come back, play video games. Anybody interrupts me, I yell at them anybody bugs me too much i throw my mouse from my computer across the room uh same thing at work i was a manager of like second highest in the company other than the off the owner's wife and uh, i just couldn't believe that every time something came up that was frustrating i was either in tears Yelling at someone, including the owner, or throwing something. I was well known for grabbing my mouse and throwing it across the room, and everybody seemed to think it was funny. But looking back now, that was the first signs of something serious that I wasn't managing.
0: Right. And so you're at, and so a lot of time had passed from being a teenager to then having your youngest son. A lot of life had happened there, right? And so a lot of things sounds like we're kind of breaking down and we're becoming unmanageable. So how are, like, what was that like day to day? Like, I know other people may have noticed certain things or whatever, but did you ever kind of maybe stop and think about it, man, I'm getting angry a lot, or I'm doing these things. Like kind of what was your thought process at at that
1: point? I'd say it's an adventure. uh, And that's how I've said it the whole way along. Even when I was in the midst of the worst of it, there are just days that are really, really difficult where you wake up and you feel overwhelmed when you wake up. You feel like you literally cannot take anything else that day. And I, I've got to honestly say that having God on my side was what kept me going. Because those days where I go, I can't do it. God was the strength of my weakness.
0: And so that, and that's really encouraging. And so practically speaking, how did that, how did you turn to God? Was there a certain way that maybe you found that you connected with God in those dark moments and how did God work through that?
1: So until I started attending way, uh, my personal relationship with God was mostly spent either online services through church before COVID. So this was not super popular, uh, or in deep prayer. I have always been big on just being alone with God and, Sometimes it just felt like dumping that stuff off my lap or off my chest and letting God take it from me was what set me free in those moments. And I wouldn't say I was healed. I'd say I was able to keep going.
0: Right. So you were able to kind of maintain that holding pattern of not great, but you're just kind of thinking this good is enough. life. This is good enough. You know, you're you're surviving, maybe not thriving in life, but you're surviving.
1: Yeah. Anyone that knows me will be able to say that I regularly say when they say, so how are you doing? I'm surviving. I still say that to this day.
0: Okay. So yeah, so it was more about survival than maybe the finding the fullest of what God wanted for you.
1: Yep. Okay. I was happy with a good paycheck, a company car. I was a manager. Like what else could I ask for? Well, to enjoy my life. Right. And...
0: There did come a breaking point where even that part kind of stopped working. Um, Why don't you tell me a little bit about that?
1: I'm going to try to keep it short. Uh, So we had to address the anger. So I went and I saw a psychiatrist. My doctor said, I don't have enough tools in my toolbox for this. I'm going to send you to someone that specializes in it. Uh, I saw a psychiatrist. I got a bipolar diagnosis and I got put on some medication and I thought things would get better and they didn't. So I had to go back and I saw another psychiatrist and they said you don't have bipolar. You have borderline personality disorder, which I encourage you to look up if you don't know what it is. It's basically emotional deregulation all day long. A little thing can make you very upset. You're very concerned about being abandoned, and being isolated, being alone. It's a constant thought. Um, in that same appointment, I was also diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So I was being bombarded with these diagnoses I didn't understand, with these medications I didn't know what to do with. And I still felt overwhelmed and wasn't recovering. But that's when it started. And um, the next summer... I remember this very well. My sister-in-law was living with us. Uh, she was going to a wedding. My wife was taking her and her boyfriend. And I remember calling them and saying, "Like, look, I want to take my life. Like, this is, this is the end for me. I need help now." And Sharon dropped everything, came back and got me, took me to the hospital, and I spent three weeks there while they assessed and changed medications. And I still didn't have the diagnoses I do today. The borderline personality carried. So did the anxiety. Um, But it took up until this year, which is, I think, three years later, that I finally got my bipolar one diagnosis. And the medications are stabilizing me and getting me in a much better position.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's, and again, a caring wife. Absolutely. That was willing to be supportive and to put everything else aside to, to take care of you in, in those moments. And that's a really important and and special.
1: I'll be honest. um, The biggest thing for me in that time was not that Sharon was there for me because a lot of people could have been there for me. She was there for our kids.
0: Right. And how did that feel for you? Like you're struggling really deeply, but you're also trying to be a father.
1: Well, I used to pay the bills. I was in charge of the budget. I did all of our finances and all of a sudden it got dumped on Sharon to deal with all these things because I was stuck in the hospital. Um, And I couldn't help with my kids. Luckily it was the summer, so they weren't in school, but, uh, yeah, the the most difficult part about it and being a father was explaining it to my kids. Because at the time, um, five, six, and eight, they don't understand. Actually, it was even earlier than that. But they don't understand what's going on. They can understand something is wrong with daddy's head. Something is not quite right. But they can't understand much beyond that. So that, that was probably the hardest.
0: Yeah, that would be, I can't imagine, like, how hard... That would be to try to, to to deal with that and to parent through that. And I think one of the reasons these these conversations are really important is because people sometimes have a hard time understanding or having empathy if they've never been exposed to someone that has gone through something that you know that they are just not familiar with. And unfortunately, these conversations have been kind of under the radar. For far too long. Oh yeah. And and I think that's why it's really important for us to be able to share these darker parts of the story. And even and I just wanna to say to someone listening right now, if you're going through something and you're identifying with what Steve is going through, like even up to this part of the story, as a church we wanna be here for you. And we're gonna talk a little bit later about maybe about how. But we genuinely care for you. Because we want you to live the life that Jesus has for you. And we are not going to just give the simple answer of saying, oh, well, Jesus is going to heal and everything is going to be better. Because that's not quite how It's not it the happens. whole story. Yeah. But you have had a remarkable healing journey. And I use the word journey very strategically because it wasn't a matter of a single event that just completely fixed everything but rather series of events that have brought you from kind of that darkest place to the place now where you're talking about it and you're in kind of the, a new phase and you're also trying to help people. And so why don't you kind of walk through a bit of the healing journey part of, of the story?
1: Okay. Um, when I started with Way. Uh, I know I mentioned this in the first episode, but uh, I said to Chris, like, I'm not looking to volunteer. I'm not looking to be a part of a church. I'm looking to show up and be at church. And he said, that's fine. And I needed that for my mental health. And a few months in, I was praying for one of our friends who at some point will be on the podcast. Uh, she was in the middle of a journey with cancer, and Chris had asked me to pray for her in our group group which, again, this speaks to the power of the home churches. So I started praying, and I don't remember the words that I said, but I do remember this feeling in my heart that the Holy Spirit was just breaking down the barriers. And I walked away from that session feeling like my anxiety had lifted. My depression had lifted. And I'm not saying healed. I'm saying lifted. It was taken away for this time. And uh, that was a big part of it for me. I walked away. I spent six months feeling fantastic. Uh, It turns out it was partially a manic episode. But I do believe that God's hand was absolutely there, especially for the anxiety, because I could not shake the anxiety before. That was something that was just permanently stuck with me. I could barely drive because I would make it about five minutes and end up in tears on the side of the road. And then I could do another five minutes, and I'd be in tears on the side of the road. And that was my life before this happened.
0: And so then there's been progress, and there's been healing, but there's also been changes in diagnosis, and there has been changes and fluctuations of mood and situation over time as well. And it was actually in that early phase that Steve, you and I recreated, reconnected. And that actually led to me being a part of way, which was a really just cool conversation that my kind of trajectory of, um, doing podcasting and speaking on mental health. And when Steve first reached back out to me, it was actually to talk about how we could help people when it comes to their mental health. And so I guess at that point in your story, What was it that inspired you or fueled you to want to help people?
1: Yeah, so one of the things that I was looking at was like, okay, I'm getting on the right medications. I'm getting on the right diagnoses. Things are finally starting to look up. But there's a lot of people getting left behind. And I couldn't deal with that. Sorry, I'm breaking up. I seriously could not handle the thought that there are people alone. With this,
0: that's the power of empathy and compassion. And I just admire that in you. And I'm going to welcome Chris into the conversation as well, because this is really important to us um, as a church, as a community, because we don't want people to be without help, without healing, without support for really any length of time at all. We want people to have community and to have support. And so, Chris, what are some of the ways that you are envisioning in the future that we could actually be a place of refuge, a place
2: of wholeness and wellness for people? Yeah, this is where um, the future of our wellness hub, as we call it, comes into the conversation. And uh, if you remember a few episodes back where we talked about the three-year vision for our house of worship one of the big components of that is to shift its gears into becoming a community wellness hub, where you would have access to peer counseling, uh, professional counseling, um, mentoring, and in healing for your, your mental, your, your mental health, physical health, emotional health, and um, your spiritual health, and uh, I think. In order to serve our, our community the best um, with this resource we have of space and, and bodies, of volunteers that are compassionate and empathetic believers, uh, we have to be able to open our doors to sit down, um, to cry with people, to pray for people, and to really be okay with people not being okay. We also have to be low anxiety people not putting unnecessary pressure on people to perform or to show up. Um, Attendance isn't really that big of a deal to us. A big deal to us is, is growth and feeling healthy and feeling like you're listened to and you're cared for. And I think um, if you want to really experience um, a, a deeper connection to men and women of God who uh, have your back the best way to do that it would be to connect to one of our home groups as well um, where there's a network it's not just an individual it's a network of people that uh, care for you and they want to pour into your life they want to elevate you and but also we recognize that sometimes you need space and to be just okay with that maybe reach out through a, a text or an email and just say hey thinking of you Uh, And sometimes that's all people need is just that little point of contact to remember in, in their low, their low points that, yeah, there are some people out there that have my back. That's what family is. That's what community is. And that's what way is.
0: And I love that about the church, right? This whole idea of being low anxiety, but also even for leaders, like to say, you know what, we're going to, to say like, if you're having that kind of day, if you're in that struggle, We're not going to force you to be there. Mm -hmm. We're going to offer everything we can to help you. And I am just so inspired by this idea of the wellness hub and that we can be able to support each other because we're not putting one person above another. We all have challenges. We all go through things and everyone has something that we can contribute to the wellness and the wholeness of the entire community. And I, You're going to hear more about that as this idea and this vision kind of fleshes out. But I did want to take that moment with with Chris just to share about that. But I'm going to go back to Steve because we've talked a lot about the past. And and I really do appreciate your courage to be able to speak through even some of that emotion that comes with that. And I just greatly admire that. Um, But I do want to ask... Where are you at now? How are you How are you doing today? And maybe what are some of the healthy coping strategies that you've embraced in this season of life?
1: Okay, so, yeah, um, I'm just trying to think the best ways to put this. So currently I am actually in a bit of a struggle where I'm on week eight of a depression. And that's a fact of life for me. I do deal with these things. Uh, But at this point, I don't let it stop me. I don't let the depression control what I'm doing today. I wake up, I still get my kids to school. I still go out and do things like the podcast. I still am there for people, even though every bit of me screams to just be home in bed. And that's the reality of depression. And that's where I'm sitting today. I do have the odd bit of anxiety that creeps up. I do have the odd bit of depression or mania. And that's just something I need to live with. But uh, I really believe that God is the biggest piece in this. I could never cope without my father in the way that I do now. Um, So some of my techniques... My main one is actually called four-second square breathing. So you can picture this in your head as I do it. Uh, You inhale for four seconds. So picture a box. You inhale for four seconds going along from one side to the other. You hold it for four seconds going down the side of the box. Then you breathe out for four seconds as you go along the bottom of the box. And then you hold for four seconds again. And that brings you right back to the start. And if you need to keep going, you just keep going, but it centers you. It clears your mind. It gets all the garbage that's making you feel stuck and like you just can't do it. It clears it out for you. So I find that's the big one for my anxiety. Uh, The second one is a body scan. It's a very common one taught in CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, but uh, you basically start at the bottom, think about How are you feeling? What are your feet doing? What are they touching? What do you feel? Uh, Is there any tension? And then you try to release that. And you move up your body doing each part until you reach the top of your head, and you try to just get that tension out.
0: Those are both very interesting and, and good strategies, and so I appreciate you sharing that. And kind of as we wrap up this part of the conversation, when you think about the Wellness Hub and when you think about the future, of how way in general, but also you personally can be a part of people's mental health journey. What are your thoughts? What's on your heart?
1: Honestly, I try not to cry because I can see in my mind and in my heart lives being changed. And it's not happening much yet. I have journeyed with a few people that are maybe a part of way, maybe not, depending on the situation, uh, that are dealing with mental health issues. And I find that that's part of my fit. That's where I'm meant to be. I know what it feels like to wake up depressed. I know what it feels like to feel so overwhelmed that all you can do is cry. And that's okay. And I'm happy to be a part of that with you if you need it.
0: That's really good. And that's I want to leave it at that because this is an ongoing story. Our... Lives will continue to progress, and there will be challenges. But There is also hope, and there is also community. That we are not going to pretend that Jesus is going to take away every struggle. But we are going to sit with you in, in it and do our best to support you in it. And I don't know about you guys, but that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. Oh, yeah. And that is really inspiring. And again, Steve, thank you so much for being open and vulnerable and authentic in sharing your journey with us. Anytime. All right, we have reached the end of our uh, study and discussion on the book of Galatians. And so we're going to kind of briefly here cover chapters five and six. And I just encourage you. If you've been tracking along with us, maybe go back and read the book. Reflect on some of the questions and some of the things that we've talked about um, over the last number of episodes. But most of all, we want you to just hear a word from the Lord. And so to go directly into his word, to read, it's a six-chapter book. Um, I would really encourage you to read that. And so as we are kind of landing the plane here, Steve, why don't you just give us a quick summary of chapters five and six?
1: Five and six are getting a little bit different than what we see in the other four. Paul starts to talk on specifically the spirit versus the flesh. And we will dive into that a bit more, but you get into what the works of the flesh are, versus what the fruits of the spirit are, you get into that in five. Uh, In six, we start looking at uh, carrying one another's burdens and stepping into if someone is out of alignment with their faith. So uh, if there is an obvious sin in their life approaching that.
0: Right. And and even to be able to approach that, we need to be able to operate through the fruits of the Spirit to deal with that appropriately, kindly, and Christ-like.
1: Yeah, I believe it says with a gentle spirit.
0: Right. And that's the thing, right? We, Because we're not bound by the law, we are not holding people to account to say, you are not perfect, therefore you are condemned we, what we were actually saying is you are out of alignment. Let's talk about where God wants to bring you and, you know, maybe even if appropriate, how can I help you? Yeah. Kind of move in that direction. But I want to drill down on the fruits of the spirit. Why is that so important?
1: I think this is my opinion and I could absolutely be wrong. But I think it's really important to see the fruits of the Spirit in your life to truly show other people that God is moving in you. It is an outward reflection of the change that's happened in you. It's something people can tangibly see and touch.
0: That's really good. And can you read through what they are?
1: Sure, I'll jump in. It's uh, 5 verse 22 is where we'll start. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I will add this. The next part says the law is not against such things, which is something we see Paul has been pushing for this whole time.
0: Right. So talking about the law, and he's still talking about the law, even though we are not slaves to the law, he is saying that, that you know Jesus fulfilled the law but also by living through the fruits of the spirit there is no law against this like and you're going to be a winsome person if you are kind of living out these things but it's really important to remember that it requires the spirit to be able to to live out these fruits
1: absolutely and I'm going to jump in there is a verse that Chris hit and it's in five that I think his way of explaining what it means was beautiful and fantastic. So what the verse says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So Chris, can you explain what that looks like from your understanding?
2: Yeah, the word in step is like uh, to be in sync with the choreography of, it's almost like a dance word. and being in step means that you're capable of, of performing the choreography that you've been shown by the master choreographer. And so when we are in step with the Spirit and, and showing uh, manifesting fruits of the Spirit in our life, it's showing that we are in step with the master, with his teaching, and, and that we are discipled. It's actually a, a, a fruit of discipleship to be capable of of showing the fruit of the Spirit because we're being discipled to be like our master teacher, and we are therefore in step.
0: And when it comes to being in step, we want to be following our model for life, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And kind of a question that comes to mind that I'm going to just ask each of us to personally reflect on. We're not going to give our answers to this. I'm just going to encourage you just to consider Which of the fruits of the Spirit are really showing in my life right now? And which ones do I actually need more help with? And so I'm going to ask Steve just to read them again slowly and as he does. And maybe even you want to pause every time he says one and think about it. We're not going to give our answers. We just want you to have a moment with the Lord here. Um, Just to reflect on how are the fruits of the Spirit actively working in your life. So, Steve, can you read those again for me?
1: Sounds good. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control.
0: There you go, folks. And I love to say it like this is the fruit of the spirit is the personality of Jesus. (laughs) When we look at how Jesus lived, how Jesus walked and how Jesus modeled for us, those were the qualities. And I would encourage you to maybe have a conversation with somebody that you've listened to this with, or someone in your, your small group, like someone that you trust to talk through and have an honest look at the fruits of the spirit, because it's about discipleship. And so as we kind of, land the plane on this book. And I've really enjoyed talking through Galatians. I think this discipleship piece for you to reflect on between you and the Lord is really, really important. So we're going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day.